morning. Um, <laughs> okay, I'm just going to dive right in. Um, last week, Rob spoke about a faith that acts, and today I'd like to share about a faith that sees and a faith that sees and finds hope. Now, if you look at the first, the next slide, you'll see a photograph. And I was one of those fortunate people, myself and my sisters, to be born into the wisdom and the knowledge and the love of four generations of women. And you can see my grandma Reg there. She's surrounded by the firstborn daughters um, of each generation. And she was a remarkable woman. She lived to the age of 97. She died in my early 20s. And I've got some incredible memories of her. But all of the women in my family were both colorful, eccentric, and full of life. And they taught me a lot. And I've got much of them itched into my soul. But the thing they all had in common was that they all faced fear. They taught me, these women taught me, that fear comes in many shapes and in many forms, both in our lives and in the lives of those around us. But it cannot be allowed to take up residence. They taught me that faith, just like fear, is a choice. But faith is also an inheritance. And if we read through the book of Hebrews 11, or the chapter 11, we see a kind of genealogy of faith. And it's not about a lineage of people who just followed fearlessly or were fearless. It's about people who obeyed and they followed and they persevered through testing and through trial because they had had a revelation. I don't believe that they walked in blind faith and I don't believe that God asks us to walk in blind faith. These people, if we read the accounts of their lives, they had had a vision beyond themselves that God had given them. And we see this in Hebrews 11, verse 23. It's an interesting verse that if you're reading really quickly through Hebrews 11, you might actually miss it and you'll miss the gems that are set inside this verse. And it reads, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months in his, by his parents who saw that he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. This verse introduces us first to Moses, but it also introduces us to his parents. And this very uh, brief account gives us what I believe is a key to radical faith. And that key is the ability to see with God's eyes. Faith is, in the end, a way of seeing. And Moses' parents were commended because they saw beyond the natural. They saw with God's eyes and they saw from his perspective. And so that's why they acted in faith and not in fear. This verse is also a reference to Exodus 2 verse 2, 
in the Old Testament. And if we go and look in the Old Testament, you'll see that the Hebrew word for see is ra'ah. And it comes from the root word to shepherd. And what that tells us is that sight is something akin to prophetic insight. And that our sight is a gateway to guidance, and specifically the guidance of the Lord, our shepherd. So Moses' parents, they didn't see with any ordinary sight. They saw with prophetic insight, and that's exactly why they could look at their son and see the extraordinary in him, and they could look at him and see something beyond and understand that God had a plan beyond the circumstances that they found themselves in. So I believe when they looked at their child, they saw hope. Now, there are probably many of us here who have children, and we all know that the birth of a child is a miracle in itself. I remember when I had my children, um, I hadn't been saved for very long, and I sat there in silence, which for some will think is quite a hard thing for me, but I sat there in silence, and I thought, wow, I was just, I was in awe of just the wonder of who God is and the wonder of his workmanship. But since then, I have at intervals sat with God again, and I've reached into the unseen of who he is, and I've asked him for a glimpse of his hope and the promise that he's placed in my boys. And I've done that because I believe that that is part of our call as parents. And I believe that God wants to show us the extraordinary that is in our children. And he wants us to partner with him to draw out the greatness that is in them and to help them find the path that he set before them and to help them step out into the plan that he has for their lives. But God doesn't just birth children into our family. God gives us spiritual children. And he brings those across our path who have perhaps had disappointment or their parents have failed them in some way. And he asks us to come alongside them and to do the same thing for them, to help them to see what he's put in them and to help them find the path that he has laid ahead for them. He asks us to walk with them in love and give them a glimpse of who he is. And he asks us to help them look above and beyond their circumstances. And that is exactly what Moses' parents were able to do. Jochebed and Amran, they found themselves in extraordinary circumstances. They were facing an edict from Pharaoh that directly contradicted the mandate in Genesis 1 verse 28 to be fruitful and to multiply and to fill the earth. But it also threatened to sabotage the promise to Abraham that he would have descendants as numerous as the stars. And they could have been derailed. They could have felt defeated. But they chose instead to grab a hold of the hope and the revelation that God had given them and to act purposefully and to step out in radical faith. And their actions show us that radical faith takes courage and it takes conviction 
It is the conviction that God is faithful. He is faithful to do what he says he will do. It's the conviction that God is good, that he is for us. He's not against us. And it's the conviction that God has a plan, that he's gone before us and that he's ironed out all of the holes in the road ahead of us. And above all, I believe it's a conviction that his voice speaks a better word. This word that he's given us is truth. And it supersedes any circumstance that we may actually find ourselves in. And we must also have the conviction that for those who seek him with all of their heart, he has a future and he has a hope. In some ways, this verse is is personal to me as well. In 1971, my mum fell pregnant. And she had miscarried before. She had already had two children, um, but at, at risk to her own life. And the doctors, after a lot of tests, um, decided that the child she was carrying was not viable for life. In other words, that the baby would either be stillborn or, at the very least, that the child would be born with severe disabilities. And they actually insisted that she have an abortion. And on the scheduled day, she said that she sat there for for quite a few hours and she said, I just kept wondering, what if they're wrong? What if they are wrong? And when we find ourselves in difficult circumstances, we we have that right in faith and in God to ask, what if they are wrong? And so she couldn't sign the papers. She actually made the choice to keep the child. And my sister was, in fact, born with a mountain of medical crises. She was not brought into an easy life, but God had gone before And in attendance at her birth, there was a pediatric professor who took on her case. Um, She was the first child with her kind of condition to be born, and he took on her case at full cost to the university. And they treated her until she was about 18, and then they more or less exhausted what they could do for her. But the bigger story is that The work they did with her laid a foundation for many children after her that were born with similar complications. And her story for me is proof that the world may offer you a solution and they may offer you something that looks like it makes sense, but actually will probably not fit into God's plan, but he has a plan. See, my sister opened the way to medical um, research that no one could have foreseen. But the truth is that she could also have been a statistic. She could have been one of the 50 million babies that are aborted every year globally. And for these children, the circumstances in which they were were conceived were 
probably just too daunting and just too dire for the people involved to face. And the reason I bring this up is because I believe that just like Pharaoh's edict went against that Genesis 1 mandate, the fruitfulness that God has called us into, I believe that there are movements in the world today, the pro-choice movement specifically, that is convincing women that if it's not in my plan, it's okay. And if my career trumps a toddler, it's actually okay. And these voices are loud, which is why we, as people of faith, we need to be coming alongside those who are faced with these kinds of choices and they are faced with these kinds of crises. And we need to be speaking this better word into their lives, not necessarily shouting, just speaking a better word into their lives. Because Psalm 139 reminds us that it is our God, the Lord God Almighty, who is the sovereign creator of all things. He is the one who has numbered the days of our lives from the beginning of time. And so he alone holds that right. He holds the right to your life, to my life. He holds the rights to life and to death. There is no doctor. There is no secular movement. And there is no pharaoh that holds that right. Jochebed and Amran, I believe, understood this. And so instead of surrendering their child into the Nile, into the edict that Pharaoh had proclaimed, they chose God's edict over man's. And they did place him in the Nile, but they put him in a, reed, a, bas a basket reed that had been lined, and he was later redeemed. And that's who God is, a redeemer. So even in your circumstances, whatever they may be, God is a redeemer. And he was drawn out of the water by Pharaoh's daughter and adopted into her family. But she first gave him back to his family. And they nurtured him and they loved him and they taught him until he was weaned. And in those days, the age of weaning was probably somewhere between five and seven years. It's much later than what we do today. So God gave them Moses' formative years to sow into his life. And those seeds were sown for fruit later. So we see that their story is not only an incredible story of redemption, but it's a story of how faith opens the way to God's plan and it opens the way to God's supernatural provision. The other thing I believe this, these parents, these two people, passed on was their faith. Because their action, the way that they acted and the faith within which they acted was picked up by their children. Faith has to be made visible for the next generation to pick it up. And all three of their children rose into the plan that God had for them. So Miriam, their oldest daughter, she prophesied and she worshipped at the crossing of the Red Sea. And Aaron, their second child, partnered with his brother as a voice to Pharaoh as they contended for the freedom of God's people. And Moses led God's people to the gates of the promised land. 
And he saw many, many miracles in his life. And it started with the miracle of his rescue from the hands of Pharaoh. And the Exodus story that Moses was part of and that Moses led became foundational principles. It carries foundational principles for our faith today and foreshadows the sacrifice of Christ, who is our Redeemer. We also see that this family, which for me is just amazing, this family rose to become the Levitical priesthood. And it's from this Levitical line that Mary, the mother of Jesus, came. Jesus, who is our promise. And so we actually today are living in the fruit and the promise of this family's faith. That is amazing. I think that's amazing. We do. We walk in not only the promise of Jesus, but we also walk in the hope of Christ. And hope is one of those interesting little words. Because when we use it in our language, um, we use it either to express a feeling or a longing. But, okay, so for example, if I had to say to you, um, I hope I don't get sick. I'm actually expressing a wish more than a conviction. So if I say to someone, oh, I hope I'm going to see you tomorrow, it's a wish more than a conviction. But the Hebrew word for hope is a little word called tikva, and it's used quite colloquially, in the same way that someone would say, oh, you've got chutzpah. And last week, Rob mentioned a rope um, that a climber or a rappeller would use, the rope that gives them assurance. And this is exactly what tikva is. It is a three-stranded cord. It's the three-stranded cord that we read about in Leviticus 4 verse 12 that is not easily broken. And so, and it is something as a rope, it's something we need to be taking a hold of with both hands. So if someone says to you, where is your tikvah? They're actually asking you, what is the thing you are holding onto? What is the thing that is giving you security today? And for us, that three-stranded cord is Elohim. And I use that word very specifically because it is a uniquely Hebrew word that in its construction speaks of the three persons of who God is, who God is as three in one. He is our three-stranded cord, and we need to hold on to him. We need to grasp him with both hands because he is sure. He is unshakable. He is unbreakable. He is forever the same. He is eternal. He is unchanging. The same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. That is who our God is. If the thing that we are holding on to is not sure, it's going to open a door to both doubt and to fear. So that when we come into a gathering like this, and we sing songs like, oh, in Christ alone, my hope is found. He's my light, my strength, my song. If what we're standing on is not sure, then 
we may not be able to believe these words. And when life comes at us like it's come at us over the last year, we may not be able to sing these words with conviction. But I believe that we can if the one that we trust in and believe in and have faith in is the one that we are holding fast to in unwavering hope. The book of Hebrews is a book of faith. And chapter 11 begins with this verse. It says, faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. Sorry, I, I found a different translation here. So it is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of what we do not see. Not what, well not what is not there, just what we cannot see. And so I believe that God wants to open our eyes today. He wants to open our eyes to see, to get a glimpse of hope, so that we can grab a hold of that hope and we can step out in radical faith. Above all, I believe that this story of these two people is a story that calls us into radical hope. I mean radical faith, sorry. And radical faith is a faith that sees with God's eyes. It is a faith that surrenders to God's plan. It is a faith that holds on to hope, but not just any hope. It holds on to a hope that speaks a better word and a hope that speaks Jesus. Thank you. Why the worship team please come up? And I um, just want to take a little bit of time to respond to uh, what Tanya has brought you today. And um, just seeing the baby being passed around. Hello, Ava. Michelle, why don't you come up here with Ava? You can go around, yeah. I don't want to take risks with the baby. There's many things, in many ways we can respond to this word as it comes today because um, obviously no matter, you can hold it, it's fine. But I think this word is actually about um, something like this, someone like this. And uh, so God may have spoken to you about something in your work. He may have spoken to you about something in a relationship with somebody else. But, um, and all of those are legitimate. And uh, you can respond to it in a moment and what in whatever way He's spoken to you. But I felt as um, when I first saw this passage of Scripture, and as Tanya and I have chatted it through during the week as well, that God wants to do something in the lives um, of four different groups of people. One of them is quite heavy. And that's for men and women that have had an abortion. You may say, well, men can't have an abortion. And one of the mistakes we've made in the past is we've said this is something that only women can do. But actually we know that there are situations where women um, end up having an abortion because um, they feel like they can't do it on their own or they're under pressure from the boyfriend or the husband that's put them in that situation. Um, and so... 
I, I think abortion is, is just the most terrible thing, as many of the sins are that we as human beings commit against each other. When you look at uh, the promise of Scripture, if we look at what um, Moses' mom and dad saw when they saw him, it actually doesn't say, he, the NIV translates it, I think, badly when he said he was no ordinary child. It just says that he was a beautiful child. That's what it says. And in the eyes of every mom and dad, isn't their child beautiful? Isn't the way God, like, programmed us? Like, even if your child looks like an orangutan, you know, like, you look at that, you say, wow, you're so beautiful. Like, God has programmed us. And, um, and I believe God wants to bring some people that have been through abortions to a place this morning where those that have rationalized it can actually face up to what you've done. This is not to bring a sense of guilt and condemnation upon you. The gospel is the exact opposite of that. It brings us to the place where we, no matter how much we've tried to rationalize it, we've lived under the guilt and the condemnation, God brings a message actually that you are forgiven, that I can redeem even that situation. And I'm talking about both the ladies that have gone through that and also the men that have been party to that as well, that today as we break bread, as we drink from that cup, which is the blood of Christ, that today you can actually be washed clean of what's associated with that and, and walk on. And I don't care if this took place 20 years ago. If you've never dealt with it, it is still a reality in your life today that this morning God wants to deal with. I believe God wants to tell us that His Word speaks a louder word than the, than the edict of Pharaoh. Pharaoh so often is a picture of, of Satan and and he wants to speak a word of death over our children. And I believe actually that's one of the, the key messages of God in this generation. Um, Ether came home from school last year and said, my math teacher told me there's 12 years left until the world's over because of climate change. I've never wanted to punch a math teacher so much in my entire life. But she's just saying what, the, what, the, what Pharaoh wants to speak over our children. There's no future. There's no hope. Ava, is there future and is there hope? What is the Word of God speaking over our children? And I believe God wants to speak to those that, uh, that, that have even been born out of rejection, that have heard words like, like you were a mistake, or if I could have, I would have had an abortion, or um, whatever it is, that, that somehow you feel like your life is not intentional. I believe this morning as we break bread, God wants to break that off of you, because in Acts 7.20 it says, that God, that Moses, when he was born, was beautiful in God's sight. Not just in his mom and dad's, but in God's. And, and this morning, God wants to speak over you in whatever the circumstances of your birth. If you were even the child of a rape, God says that you are beautiful in his sight. And then two more people. Those, um, so one more. So the second one was those that are, that are anxious about the future of their children. I want you to have hope again. I want you to, your faith, just to bathe your children. The third of those that are born under the cloud of rejection. The fourth of those that are longing to have children. There's an ache inside of you for children. And I feel like, like there's something, there's, a, there's a, a weightiness of God here this morning for Him to come and act upon that desire that you have, that, uh, that He can um, do this work in your life for you to come into the place to be able to have children. We walk through that. We know the pain that you're going through. But God knows it even more. And that desire that you have, that longing, I believe is from God. And He wants to satisfy it this morning. And so, thank you, Michelle. Isn't Ava beautiful, eh? 
We knew Leah could do it, but we weren't sure Johnny could produce his beautiful children. (laughs) Why don't you stand with me, please? So this is going to be, if you're at home, I really do trust that you follow with us. We're going to break bread in a moment. We've got barrels set out here so people can go get their own cup and their own um, piece of bread. And and I hope at home you have that ready and, and maybe you can do this now. In fact, won't you just do that? Won't you go get the elements? There's a couple of tables here. Just go get them for you and your family group. And then I want us to respond um, this morning in a, in a personal, vulnerable way before God. So I'm not going to call anybody out, but we, we want to do real business with God this morning. And, and I hope at home that you're ready to do real business with God this morning as well. closing your eyes. I want to speak to you. I want to speak to the woman and the men. You've been through an abortion. And it lingers over you still. I want to say this about sin. When it's dealt with, it's dealt with. If you've dealt with this before, you don't need to deal with it again just because some other people are dealing with it this morning. But if you've not been set free from that thing, if you have not repented and uh, been forgiven so that every ounce of condemnation and shame has been removed, I actually heard the words when we were singing this morning, uh, I see the chains falling. I, I heard these words, I see the shame falling. And I feel like God wants shame to fall today. And if that's you this morning, as you break bread today, I want you to to thank God for His, the the sacrifice of His Son, for Jesus' body and Jesus' blood shed, that no matter what our sin is, we can be forgiven. Paul says, I'm the chief of sinners, so that the, the, the mercy of God might be shown in me, that if I can be forgiven, that's you this morning. Deal with it. Don't rationalize it. Don't hide it. Don't bring it out into the light. Let God deal with it today. And so, Father, I want to pray over us this morning. I believe that this is actually a prophetic response from us and some from the next generation for the generations that to come, Lord God. I want to pray that where previous generations have inflicted something on this generation, whatever those are, through the words they've spoken, through the actions that they've taken. If mom or dad said that you were a mistake, if you'd come out because of a, an illicit sexual relationship, or if, uh, if you, were, you, you would have been aborted, whatever, I break that off in Jesus' mighty name. I thank you that you are beautiful in the sight of God. I thank you as... Uh, Uh, Tanya read this morning that God formed you in your mother's womb. It wasn't from the decision of of a father or the will of a mother, but from God's divine purpose as you are born again, that you should be a child of God. I speak life over you. I speak hope over you. I thank you that your life has purpose and meaning. 
It is a redemptive action, and you are a redeeming actor through Jesus Christ. And I speak to those who are fearful about their children's future. Father, won't you give moms and dads dreams for their children? Won't they overflow in their speech over their children? Won't you cause them, Lord God, to prophesy over their children? As they lie in bed at night, lay hands upon them and prophesy your life over them and your, your, uh, your purposes and your hope and your plans in Jesus' mighty name. And I pray for those this morning, Lord God, that have longed to have children over there, thus yet not be, uh, seen that desire fulfilled. I pray today, Lord God, for your power to rest upon them at home as people are watching, Lord God, here in this auditorium as, as people are praying, that your, that your sovereign hand would be upon them, Lord God, that that which is hindering and blocking would be removed so that your divine promise would be fulfilled through them and that they too would behold their beautiful children. In Jesus' name we pray.